The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, we have a really, 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 really special treat. We have with us astrologer, Kathy Rose, and... I am so excited to have Kathy here. I did a reading with her a couple months before, and I have been looking for probably since the inception of the show, the right astrologer to have on the podcast. And I've been through quite, quite a few friends. And so I'm just so excited to share uh, Kathy's energy with you, her intuition with you, and learn a little bit today about astrology. And I know I'm going to get this better from you, but... I really see like how it is the blueprint for our soul and our purpose and what we're here to do and how we can use astrology in that way. So Kathy, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for such a beautiful introduction. Your heart really shows when you speak. Uh, Thank you. Likewise. And um, the one thing I didn't do this morning is print out your bio. So can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself since I'm not going to read it to them? Oh, perfect. No worries. Basically, I uh, started studying astrology when I was eight years old and other metaphysical principles. I mean, I was seeing auras and getting flashes of the future when I was very, very, very young. And reading astrology was fascinating to me because it's like I was remembering it. So even at that young age, third grade here in the United States, I was going to my mom saying, I don't understand. You know, I'm reading Linda Goodman's Sun Sign, and it's like I'm remembering it. What does that mean, mom? And of course, nobody in my family was metaphysical or oriented in this way. And she would say, go play, go play, (laughs) put the book down, go play. Nobody had an explanation, but it taught me that it was uncovering information I'd already developed and had. I mean, I was doing little seances in our little utility closet in our house, I mean, at eight and nine years old, trying to call in Buddha and Jesus all by myself. Oh, my God. Yeah, with a candle. So, you know, that was uncovered information from other lifetimes coming forward. 
So I've been in practice doing astrology full-time as my living since I was 24. Wow. And I'm in my 60s now, so it's a long time. (laughs) How has your career evolved, like from where you started to now? What's shifted in the way that you understand astrology? That's a great question. It's a very important question in astrology because you do go through phases. And I also studied intuitive development along the way, and I've taught intuitive development to people. Um, in addition to astrology. So, you know, the older I get, the more I see how much free will we always have. And the more I prefer to not focus on absolutes in the future ever, 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 but more I look at the fact that I feel my mission in astrology is to help empower people, to empower them. Because, you know, the horoscope, the chart, does not say where we are limited permanently. And far too often right now in astrology, the new students are approaching it in that way. And it kind of breaks my heart. You know, social media has done this with all the podcasts, all the discussion forums. The fact that you can Google, what does it mean that I have Saturn square Mars in my natal chart? And they find out, oh, it means I'm angry and mean. Right. And it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. And so then they're glomming on to limitation. Oh, what does it mean? I have Saturn in the fifth house. It means you won't have children. And I get calls from clients all the time saying, well, I went to this other astrologer who said, I'll never have children. I won't be married. And I'm going to die when I'm 35. Wow. And it's like, okay, so let's reframe this. So my view of the natal chart and astrology in general is it is showing us our life purpose issues and where we are trying to resolve tension, where we are trying to release and let go and grow and evolve and polish. It does not ever mean you are stuck with a bad chart. And I've had people call and say, I have a bad chart. I hope that you can help me understand it. It's like, no, I can't help you understand your bad chart because you don't have one. <laughs> right. I think it's the same thing. We the small mind, the ego personalizes everything and wants to, you know, wants to make it a story about yeah. ourselves rather than recognizing that. And we should define terms because you're my first astrologer on the show. And my audience is pretty advanced, but I don't know if they know about astrology. But my understanding is your natal chart is the way the stars were when you were born. Yeah, better way to put it. Okay. You receive an imprint from the pattern of the planets at the time of birth. Ah. So you do receive an imprint. And one of the things I like to say, because people who get into astrology will say, my chart, you know, my chart says this, my chart says that, my moon in Aries says this. And I say, I am not my chart. I say, I am a soul who has an imprint from the planets at the time of birth. I'm a soul who has a chart. That's a good way of putting it. So yes, it is an imprint that happens in our soul. Now, I know you're a very spiritual soul-oriented person. So if you think of the fact we are a soul and we have many, many lifetimes, if you are open to reincarnation, which I am, you have many experiences along the way and your soul contains those layers and layers and layers, right? So you've had many charts, (laughs) many charts. And so this is a temporary imprint that we receive from the patterns of the planets at the time of birth based on your date, your time, and your place of birth. And I would think it sort of helps give you the parameters of the role you're playing, the work that you're doing, the way you're expressing your divinity and your potential here on earth, right? Well, I mean, 
you're a PhD psychologist. You understand need theory. Right. Okay. So the way I approach astrology is need theory. The energies in our horoscope clearly suggest how we need to express those needs. In fact, you have moon in, can I share your moon sign? You can share it all. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I won't share details. It's all good. You have moon in Taurus and moon in Taurus needs stability, needs to be grounded, needs to build a solid foundation and needs the comfort of routine somewhat. You know, so each planet is showing our needs. The sign Mercury in a natal horoscope will show how you need to communicate, how you need to think. Venus will show how you need to connect with other people and so forth. So it's an expression of needs and those needs have to be fulfilled. Right. And I've heard you say this before on other, I know you have a wonderful YouTube channel, which we will drop at the end. And I've heard you Facebook too. The idea that it's not the chart that makes you who you are, it's what you do with it. Yes. And so the same aspect, the same thing could be, could have very different experiences based on on where you are, how you approach it, what your level of consciousness is at the time that you experience something, et cetera, et cetera. Did I say that well? (laughs) Exactly. Recently in a lecture I gave, I brought up Ted Bundy's chart. The serial killer. Okay. This chart is really, really profound and interesting and intense. And I brought up the fact that if I showed you this chart with no name, would you be able to, in advance, see that he was a serial killer? Because some people think that they can predict in a group of charts which one is the serial killer. And I say, I really resist that because there were other people born that same day at that same time, maybe even in the same hospital who might live the chart totally differently. If you could see he was a serial killer without any conversation, then you're saying there's no free will, that he doesn't get to choose how he expresses it. Then you're also saying everybody else born on that same day is going to express it the same way. It's just mind-boggling how people would even consider that, in my view. It's a soapbox issue. You can you can tell, right? I don't want yeah, to sound preachy, but it but it's important. Oh, spiritually, I think it's very important. Very important. So Ted Bundy could have lived his chart differently. Right. He could have. He could have made different choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think too, it's that distinction between, and, and this goes to everything we do, but I think it's ripe in astrology. And astrology is one of those things you can know a very little bit about it, or you can know a lot about it. And I'm going to assume that most listeners know a little, but there's a lot of fear-based stuff. There's a lot of fear-based stuff that goes along. I mean, going to an astrologer and having them tell you you're going to die at 35. Like if I had a client that came to me and said an astrologer told them that, uh, we would be having a long conversation that would also involve, don't go back to that person, please. Right? Exactly. Ethics. Ethics. Yeah. Yeah. There is a left brain component to astrology, very analytical left brain component that runs that risk of then becoming measurement addicted. Right. There are so many measurements in astrology. I can see where the planets are going. I can see where they are in your chart. Let's chop them into bits and analyze the hell out of them. I'm a right brain astrologer, which is let's see the whole and synthesize it and then bring in the spiritual and intuitive component also. And I'm not a classical predictive astrologer. I will look at trends and I will educate my clients on the kind of energies bombarding them. Because when you go through a cycle 
a transit or solar arc, which is, you know, a more technical term. But when you receive a cycle, you are receiving frequencies from the planet that is affecting your chart. It is filling your cells. It is filling your aura. You and I had a discussion just real quick that yes, we did. When you receive a Uranus transit, a transit from Uranus, especially a conjunction to a natal planet or angle in your chart, you are receiving high voltage electrical energy. And if you're a sensitive person, it's going to feel like having 12 cups of coffee. It's going to feel jittery. 17. Mm-hmm. 17. And I don't drink coffee. I'm too sensitive to even like a little sip. Right. (laughs) So you have to point that energy in the right direction. This is the therapeutic focus here. Right. That energy is trying to accomplish something. What it's trying to accomplish is to break up stagnation, bring fresh air into life. It's trying to help get rid of stale structures. And I have to say, right now, Uranus is in Taurus. Well, Taurus is fixed earth, which means it's like granite or concrete. Uh oh. And when something is stuck, Taurus is the sign least resistant to embracing Uranus because Uranus says, time to break up all this stagnation. And Taurus says, oh, hell no. I don't like stagnation, but I like structure, security of the routine. And, right. you know, I'm comfortable with this. And no, you're not breaking it up. And Uranus goes, ha, 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 watch me. Right. And it's like a <laughs> jackhammer that comes in to break up the crystallization, to bring in something better. And it's that process that can be a little bit wiggy in the beginning when, you know, when something is trying to be broken apart so that something new can come in. Point it in the right direction, though, with Uranus. What helps is exercise, burn out some of the electricity. What helps is to get into your body and out of the head And the other thing with Uranus, I have an article on my website about it called Embracing the Adventures of a Uranus Cycle. I think that's the name. (laughs) Anyway, it talks about being in the present moment. Uranus requires you to be in this present moment right here, right now, because what will happen is you will receive spontaneous information out of the blue in that moment, right when you need it but usually not ahead of time. Right. Right. And that's usually how intuition works anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's trusting it and releasing it and relaxing it, but it is a jazzy energy field. So physically people receive it that way. It's very different. If you receive Saturn frequencies, Saturn is heavier. Saturn is more serious. You know, even my voice changes. I mean, right. I'm talking about Uranus and I'm being filled with the frequency because I'm talking about it and I'm all energized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that definitely describes the experience that I've had over the last couple of weeks, months for sure. So I, I think this might've been going on for a while, mm-hmm. but you know, you say something else or you're reminding me of something else because I first learned about astrology way back in the beginning of my journey because I was working with a life coach that was also an astrologer, and she was really one of my first teachers. And in fact, for me, it was an astrology reading that changed my life. I got a reading, and she read my chart, and she basically went through everything and told me stuff about myself. She basically told me my hopes and dreams. All this thing that you know I believed when I was younger and then kind of got buried about how I wanted to live my life. You're going to be a writer. You're going to be a teacher. You're going to you know, bring diverse things together, all of these things that I believed about myself. And then, you know, you forget and, you know, you get 
caught up by the world. And she brought that all home for me by looking at my chart. And it was a revelation. I still have that tape and I still listen to it sometimes. And um, it was a complete and total life changer, which is why I love astrology done well so much. And again, I would say to anyone getting a reading, for me, it resonated. And just like when I tell people, if you come to my office for a reading, like, or anyone's office for an intuitive reading or anything in the world, you know, it should always awaken that deep knowing in you. And I think a good astrology reading will do that. And I also think that for me, a lot of times it's very comforting because I'm feeling something and, you know, you feel the ebbs and flows of energy or you, there's something about yourself and you're like, like, why I'm a Pisces, but God, I, I'm such a materialistic person. And my Pisces sun goes, you shouldn't need this. And my, I now have learned my Taurus moon goes, yes, this is what brings us comfort, Victoria. <laughs> We're very sensual people. We need those creature comforts, right? So things like that have been so helpful as a tool too for self-understanding and validation. Yes. And a couple of things I would say is um, I don't call the work I do a reading, okay. even though this is just semantics. So it's not a huge deal. It's all good. But I like to call it a consultation because a reading implies you're going to come and I'm just going to tell you about yourself. And what I do is I have a conversation, right. especially when you're dealing with an adult and you're looking at the cycles, you have to find out how is this person living their chart? What is their reality level? Because then you adjust how you are looking at the chart based on their reality level. And again, two people can have the same chart and live it very differently. So I call it a consultation. But number two, I would never say you will be a writer. I would tend to say you need to communicate and writing could be a great forum for you. Right. I like that. Yeah. It's a distinction there only because some people view astrologers as having all of this high information, you know, holy, high, powerful information. And if you go into it thinking the astrologer holds all the authority, you're opening the door to some potential emotional abuse or having things planted in your mind you don't want. I'm an absolute rebel. I always have been. And I did go to a famous astrologer, very famous astrologer, even though I was doing astrology professionally, I had a consultation in, what was it, 1994, something like that. And he looked at my chart and he said, you will be divorced in a year. And I said, no, I won't. And he said, yes, you will, young lady. You're in denial. You don't know what you're talking about. You're obviously not very conscious. And I said, I love my husband. I have two small children. I'm not going to be divorced. You're crazy. And he continued to berate me. And I thanked him in my heart because he made it very clear that I knew he was wrong. Right. He allowed me to understand what I know to be truth. But when you have that kind of mentality that predicts with absolutes like that and plants the seed. Now, fortunately, I'm rebellious. And I went, oh, now I have to prove him wrong. Right. But if you get somebody who is obedient or has authority bias, that's what you want to be very careful of with astrologers. If you as the person have authority bias, which means you're going to be more prone to listening and absorbing what anybody who has a place of authority in their field tells you. That's why when I go to a doctor, I don't have authority bias. I question, you know, I question everybody. 
but it's a risk. It's a risk unless you can have the kind of consciousness where you say, I get to decide my own reality. You're not going to tell me. Right. I didn't divorce. I did not divorce. We didn't have problems. I knew it wasn't going to be. I think that's so powerful. And I think you said a lot of things in there that I think are important. And they're things we've touched on in the show before too. Number one, for me, anyone who insists when you say that's not my truth and then you know tries to shove their truth down your throat is a problem and it's ego. And so you always have the right to say no. And someone who can't take your no it's not your problem. And I tell people this all the time at the first reading and people who listen to the show have heard this before, but I always tell people in that first reading, it's my job to give your guidance back to you. I'm the conduit. I'm tuning into what your soul already knows. I might know a few things and I'll throw those into, but I'll tell you that there are things that I know, you know, that my training, whatever, blah, blah. But most of my job is to give your wisdom back to you, which means you're in the driver's seat to know what fits, what resonates, what feels right. And if it doesn't, let it go. Oh, Victoria, that is absolutely beautiful. The way you communicated that, it's just beautiful. And it's so important. And look, I got to be honest, I have had times when I'm given a reading and giving some information or you know guidance. I like the word consultation too. That's a good one. But mm-hmm. doing a session with somebody. And I am pretty reasonably sure the information coming through is, you know, I'm getting it right. You know, and sometimes it's my words don't match their words. So I say words and the words aren't fitting. And sometimes it's because they're just not ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, if I forced what I think is the truth. And I could also be wrong. So I I don't force for that reason too. But when we force someone to acknowledge something they're not ready, again, that's also ego. So I don't go there. I just let people know if it's something that you need to hear and you're not ready to hear it now, you'll hear it again. So let it go. (laughs) Quite a few consultations are actually seed planting consultations. And the seed planting consultation is hard on the person performing the consultation because you're not getting that feedback that tells you you're doing a good job or you're on target. And I teach my astrology students all the time. If you don't have enough inner confidence and enough inner recognition, don't do astrology because the seed planting consultation will leave you feeling very insecure. And that's a dangerous place because that's when you cross the line, yearning for applause, yearning for ego recognition, And it's a dangerous thing. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. I love that. And that's why, you know, I didn't do this on camera, but I always say a prayer before every session. And I often do it before the podcast where I release attachments to the outcome of the work. And I've had clients tell me, I had one so sad. She was like, I don't like when you say that because I think it means you don't care about me. And I'm like, no, no, I care about you. (laughs) But Mm. what I recognize is I am the conduit. It goes how it's going to go. I trust your free will. I trust my free will and, you know, as much as I can. And that's always the one I pause on and not so much anymore, but for years it was because it wasn't the easiest thing I let go of you having to like this, you having to walk away thinking Victoria's the bomb because I don't control that. And if we get in our heads about that, again, we're going to be getting more into ego and out of the flow of the divine, which I think is what you and I both Mm -hmm. really want to do as much as is humanly possible. Yes. And when you said that prayer off camera before we started this today, I was applauding you loudly in my mind. I do that prayer silently before I talk to a client. What it helps us do is to clarify our motives. It is a motive check 
each time right. for us. And I think all people who do this work need to check their motives every single day. Are we doing this to be of service? Are we doing this for ego and recognition? You know, what is the motive? What is the intention behind this activity? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And yeah. you can do the same thing too. Tune into that energy when you get a reading or a consultation as well. Yes. And I would say too, look, not everyone is that aware. So saying the prayer for me is also an intention to show me where I'm not, right? Keep me on track. And you know, we're all human. Everyone's human. So again, if you go to an astrologer and it doesn't, you don't leave feeling <laughs> fantastic. Remember they're human. They're doing the best that they can do, but you, you know, use that beautiful power you have of discernment. Yeah. And ask what it triggered. Yeah. What did it trigger? <laughs> Even if the information does not fit, what does it tell you about yourself and what you know to be true? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes those are big gifts. Oh yeah, absolutely even when they don't feel gifty. (laughs) So most people, when they're doing astrology, I think the basics that most people know, and we're going to go over them really, really quick, are sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign. And then we're going to get to Mercury retrograde because that's what I really want to talk about. But before we get to Mercury RX, because I think these are the three things that everyone's heard of. Yeah, they're called the big three. (laughs) Got it. Can you talk about sun sign, Mm -hmm. moon sign, and rising sign? There we go. I got them. Yes. And I actually, I have a video on my YouTube channel called Life Purpose Astrology that explains a little bit more my orientation about sun and moon signs. Um, I believe that the sign in which your moon in your horoscope falls is representing things that you have already learned or developed or skills that you have that you are bringing forward from other lifetimes. So moon in Taurus, You may have had many lifetimes learning about consistency, endurance, perseverance, focus, steadiness in spirit, building something lasting. You already bring that in as a toolbox into this lifetime, and you can reach in whenever you need it. So your moon sign, I have moon and Aries. I have no doubt. I've been a warrior many lifetimes. I can be first in the buffet line at any given moment because I know how to do it. My moon and Aries skill from other lifetimes. Okay, so you have those skills. They're very familiar for a good portion of early life. Many people operate from their moon sign because of that. The sun sign suggests what your soul is trying to learn about through what lens are you going to be looking at the world through what fuel do you approach activities or with what fuel. And so the sun sign is what you are learning about. If the sun and moon are vastly different it's fascinating and interesting. <laughs> My son has an opposition. He's Libra, Sun, Aries, Moon. Mm-hmm. Full Moon, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see those playing sometimes not so nicely because yes. his Libra is wanting everyone to get along and wanting mm-hmm. to be polite. And his Aries is, is a little different. <laughs> yes. And he needs to learn to balance yeah. and use them both. Yes. And those are the conversations I have with Full Moon babies. The rising sign is, you know, the outer persona that's based on an accurate birth time, okay? And the rising sign suggests what you are showing the world, the outer persona. It's not the core of your being, though. Right. It's how other people see you and what you project. The core is more the sun and the moon and the rest of the planetary patterns, the whole structure and guts of the horoscope put together. Right. 
because it's not just those big three. There are a lot of factors, a lot of planets and every planet, every connection between every planet, right? Tells a story. Is that a good way of explaining it? Yes. And the skill, the art of astrology is being able to synthesize all those measurements. And what students are doing right now, unfortunately, because we have computers that at a keystroke, we can have a thousand measurements at our fingertips. I used to, I started astrology when you had to do it by hand, Wow! which meant you didn't do as many measurements because you had to calculate them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But now the measurement or the multiplicity of measurements is overwhelming the eye and not focused on synthesis. But yeah, you have to put it all together. And then going into Mercury retrograde, which right now, as you and I are recording this, Mercury is retrograde. It's a very common cycle that as social media has become so prevalent, this Mercury retrograde natural cycle in life has become sensationalized. Yeah, And um, I have worked very hard for the last 10 years to try to change that out there in social media saying Mercury may be retrograde, but I'm not, you know, and you don't have to survive a Mercury retrograde. You get to thrive in a Mercury retrograde, but there's a lot of fear programming, a lot of um, drama. You know, if people would get out from behind the screen, if they would put their cell phones down, step away from the computer and actually go live life, do something adventurous, go experience real life, maybe go transplant some bushes in your backyard and actually use your muscles and not just use your finger to scroll on your phone, (laughs) then they wouldn't be so prone to needing to see drama with every little tiny astrological movement that happens. And people are living virtually lacking enough in my, this is just my opinion, lacking enough, you know, real life integration. So then they see drama in every tiny little movement in the sky. Mercury retrograde lasts for three weeks. It's strongest if it is actually activating a part of your chart. Like right now, Mercury's conjunct a key part of my chart. Mercury is the planet of communication and thinking. Right. What am I doing? I'm talking about astrology. Right. And you pick this date. (laughs) There we go. So it's not like I said, ooh, Mercury's conjunct a key part of my chart. Let's do it. But there's all this messaging out there designed to create a belief in people that Mercury retrograde causes your computer to crash, causes your vacuum to break, makes terrible things happen. You will miss flights. Everything will fall apart. It's going to be terrible. And for quite a few years, people embraced that. And then guess what? They reproduced it. Right. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Be mindful what you tell yourself about a situation Ah. because you get to be right. So you think that this is a kind of a trend that started by everybody kind of saying that about Mercury retrograde. It's become a thing and now we're all living it whenever Mercury goes retrograde because we believe it, we're experiencing it. Yes. Wowza. Wowza, wowza, wowza. Okay. I mean, I do things all the time in Mercury because I'm a natural rebel. So I've bought computers (laughs) in Mercury retrograde. I've traveled across country in a car during Mercury retrograde. I've launched new things with Mercury retrograde. I bless Mercury. I send good energy. And they've all been successful and wonderful without a problem. Now, okay, glitches happen. Sometimes you will experience a travel delay 
But guess what? It can happen whether Mercury is retrograde or not. It can. But if Mercury is retrograde, my advice is relax and flow with it. For God's sake, right? flow and relax. If you tense up, it's going to be worse. So right. step into the flow of whatever schedule change is happening. And I think that's the hugest piece of advice for all of this astrology, whatever it is. It's like the weather. Astrology is giving you the weather. And, you know, some days it's sunny and shiny and some days, you know, you're getting a snowstorm, not where I live, but somewhere mm-hmm. right now, <laughs> somewhere where I used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just the weather. And sometimes the weather's even wrong, right? They, they see the front coming and they say it's going to be like the worst storm of the century and you just get sprinkles. And so it's really how you approach it, how you live with it, how you understand life gets lifey. It gets lifey. And and so I think that, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that astrology can, you know, sometimes cue you in a little bit to the lifiness of life and give you a little idea of, oh, that's that explains kind of what's going on, why, you know, I haven't been sleeping for three months. Um, <laughs> it's that Uranus thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to approach it with fear. You don't have to approach it with fear and you flow with it and you figure out. I've always been told, but tell me if I'm wrong, because you're the astrologer, Mercury retrograde is a great time for writing. It's a great time for reflecting. It's a great time for going inside and and reevaluating. Reorganizing. Reorganizing. Anything that starts with R-E. Yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And you want to send really good thoughts to it, but particularly if that Mercury retrograde cycle is making contact to your natal chart, then it can be phenomenally productive. Got it. Phenomenally productive. Yeah. So there's nothing to fear about it unless you're just bored out of your mind in your life and you want to give the power to the planets. My favorite phrase is planets don't do things. People do. So you will hear things like, well, Pluto came in and hit the part of my chart ruling relationships, and I got a divorce. So Pluto caused the divorce. And I say, Pluto didn't cause the divorce. (laughs) Pluto was an activator for probably something already in motion. Right. Pluto didn't cause the divorce. Your choices, your behavior, your, you know, whatever it is you needed to learn. Right. But, you know, people who know just barely anything about astrology, enough to be dangerous, pick up that language from Google searches, podcasts, discussion forums. It's all over there. I spend huge amounts of time when I'm teaching students trying to reframe that. Hmm. And it started at social media times. Yeah. And you've been doing this long enough to know that. 38 years. And I've been looking long enough for an astrologer to know (laughs) that I want to avoid that on the show. Yeah. All right. I got two warning questions. One's kind of out there, but it's not going away. You mentioned early on in the interview about how you were vibing on the stuff when you were a child. You were reading astrology when you were in the third grade. It was something that you already knew. Where does it come from? I think for me, it was many lifetimes doing this work. So for me, it was just an instinctive memory I had because it was so natural and nobody in my family had any desire to learn it still to this day my brother and sister and family you know they have no interest in this and just sort of roll their eyes when i start talking so for me it came from a past life i just it doesn't make any sense otherwise but for some people who started very young it may have to do with part of what their life purpose is in this incarnation they may be wired 
to the frequency of extra special sensitivity. When I see a strong Neptune in the chart, Neptune in a very strong position in that natal chart, it suggests sensitivity, sensitivity mm-hmm. to the environment, psychic opening, natural orient. In fact, one of the questions I teach my students to ask when I see a very strong Neptune statement for a client and its first consultation, I'll say there's a very strong suggestion of sensitivity here. Did your parents appreciate, understand, or even recognize your special sensitivity? And that answer opens the door to a great conversation because sometimes they'll say, no, oh my God, they made so much fun of me. Right. I said, what did you do with your sensitivity? Where did it go? How did you respond? Because that openness, that psychic sensitivity was already there. And if the early life didn't support it, then they have to grow back into it and find a holistic healing to embrace it again. You know, sometimes they pour it into other activities. Other places. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you I have a strong Neptune. I think you do. (laughs) She's got my chart right there. Mm -hmm. So I get all the freebies there. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, it, it's a natural thing when Neptune is already right there. Well, you're a Pisces and that's ruled by Neptune to begin with. That's what I thought. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> and you have planets in the 12th house, which mimics and mirrors the Neptunian experience. Yeah. Got it. All right. Good to know. All right. So we got to wrap up. I don't want to. We'll probably have to do this again, but uh, we have to. So last two questions. This is a podcast about intuition. I would like to know, this is two-pronged because there's one question I ask everyone, but I'm going to ask you a slightly different one first. Talk to me about astrology and intuition. How do they go together for you as the astrologer and also perhaps for the consumer? Mm -hmm. They go together hand in hand for me. Easy, easy, easy. I cannot imagine doing an astrology consultation without also activating my intuition. Absolutely. I get visions, I get keywords, I get times, I get dates, I get, you know, it just, it goes hand in hand. Now, not all astrologers are open to that. In fact, I've lectured on the role of intuition in astrology, and I've had pushback from the academic research types stuck in their left brain who poo-poo it. It's too woo-woo. Now, not all, some astrologers can embrace intuition. So astrologers think that something is too woo-woo. There are some, (laughs) yes. I have been told that it is not ethical to bring past lives into astrology. And I say, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, I get that about you. I like that about you. I need a little more of that right now in my own space. But I I always think those two things go hand in hand. I didn't really necessarily believe in reincarnation when I started this journey, but my first astrology reading was a lot about that. And she was seeing it from my chart and also using her intuition as well. Yeah. Because there's whole parts of the chart, right, that I thought are supposed to tell you what you're bringing in. And there is a whole branch of astrology, evolutionary astrology, which definitely focuses on past lives. But there are other parts, other branches that don't. They're much more formulaic and measurement-oriented. You know, the astrologer's mindset, the brain of the astrologer is fascinating. They're very measurement-oriented. They're very pattern-oriented. And for the most part, many of them are very, very left brain. Yeah. 
But it takes some right brain, I think, to be a good consulting astrologer. You have to bring in the creative and you have to be able to synthesize so that it's an art. Yes. This is why I love astrologers, but I don't practice astrology because for me, it's just too left brain. It's too mathematical. Mm -hmm. And my brain personally doesn't work that way. Uh, It gives me a headache. But I love hearing you do it. And then it's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't need to study astrology because you can go directly to the universe and get the information without having to go through the structure of the measurements. Yeah, it's different for everyone. And I love how all the things line up. And I think, I just find astrology fascinating. It's It's like a magic trick in the best possible way. And I really do think it keys us into something deeper, something broader, something supernatural. Um, and really brings us back to the essence of of what this life thing is all about. That's what I think. Yeah, because the unsaid question is, why does it work? Yeah. Now, that's the mystical part. That exactly. is incredibly mystical. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, which I'd like to have. Yes, I'm happy. <laughs> I'd definitely like to have, so we're gonna. But before we wrap up, the question I ask everyone on the show, and you sort of answered it a little bit, but I'm going to poke at it one more time. How do you experience your intuition? I have taught with an organization called Free Soul for many years. And Pete Sanders Jr. began, it's a nonprofit organization, public education in Sedona, Arizona. So um, I see four main intuitive senses that all people have. Psychic vision, which is converting information through pictures. Um, Prophecy, which is just the pure knowing Feeling, which is getting a bodily sensation, and audience, which is getting information as words or language. I believe that all people have one gift that is their strongest or most natural, or two gifts that they use as their dominant gifts. And I'm a visionary prophet type of person. So for me, I get a lot of pictures, a lot of images, a lot of knowingness. That's how I, and I use all four gifts, but it's constant, it's every day, it's all the time. Anywhere from talking to spirits on the other side to traveling through time. That's how I experience it. So when I look at the horoscope, psychic vision is activated. Seeing the patterns gives me knowingnesses. So that's why astrology works so well for me. You know, it's an activator of my psychic vision. I see that. I'm Mm -hmm. looking into that right now. It's amazing. And so for you, it really is a holistic process where... It's not just the left brain, what does this mean? It's triggering a deeper knowing. Yeah, you have done this before, my friend, many, many times. I would love to have a conversation about when you've done it before, which I was alluding to before because I'm getting some info on that, but we're gonna mm. we're gonna wrap this one up and leave everybody wanting more. Kathy, this has been the funnest thing ever. I am so glad that I chose you to be my first astrologer on the show. Tell us about if people want to work with you, if they want to find you, if they want to hear more of your amazing teachings. And I will say, I've looked at her YouTube and uh, you have a way of explaining because some astrologers that I've worked with who are also excellent. I've worked with a lot of astrologers. I love astrology. I have to read between the lines because they're just talking about a bunch of gobbledygook and I'm just trying to sort out like, okay, but what does this mean for me? Yeah. Yeah. Jargon lace sentences. Yes. When Kathy explains things, there is no jargon. You just, it's all about like, this is what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. So you should really check out her teachings because she's fantastic. Thank you. 
but tell everybody where to find them. Well, on YouTube, I have a big channel and it's Rose Astrology. So that's the name of my YouTube channel. And I do two videos a month, basically a forecast video and a new moon video. And then others, you know, I have a um, couple meditations on YouTube aura cleansing and a chakra flush meditation, guided meditation. So it's got all kinds of things. I'm also on Facebook under Kathy Rose, and I give a lot of astrology update information on Facebook and Instagram. And then my website is roseastrology.com. Beautifulness. All right. And as always, we'll have all of that on the show notes. Before we wrap up, anything else you want to share with listeners? No, just such a, a privilege and an honor to be on with you because I love your your premise. I love your sincerity. Really, truly, it's from the heart. It's palpable. There's no way you can't feel it. And that's not just a suck up statement because I don't do that. I really, truly feel it from you. And, you know, when service is the top motive and intention, it shows you know, it's a palpable frequency. The service frequency is palpable because ego takes a break Aww. and steps out of the way. You just made my day, my friend. Thank you <laughs> so much for that. That was so, just thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in. The week this goes live, which will be the week you're listening to it now, most likely we'll have <laughs> Kathy in the Facebook group. So if you're not a member of the Intuitive Connection community, Uh, you might want to join because then you get to ask her really cool questions too. And anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Kathy and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again, and namaste. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.